Welcome to episode 32 of Ad Creative. This is a new show from Pencil about the unexpected ideas that have changed the game for DDC founders and operators, where we focus on actionable takeaways. I'm Chase Moseni from the Pencil team. Thanks for joining us. This week, we have a really fun one. This is someone who hosts episodes himself, teaches, and he has an incredible way of communicating that I'm really excited for you guys to hear because he talks more than I do. This is, if you don't know him from Twitter, CT the Disruptor. This is Charlie Tichenor. He has his Facebook MBA program in the Disruptor School where he teaches people how to grow their businesses profitably through Facebook ads. Him and I have partnered on a few brands, one being Under Outfit that uses pencil regularly. And so every time I speak to him, I get a huge swath of knowledge that I didn't have beforehand. What I think is really fascinating about Charlie, and you might see this as a theme across e-commerce, is how distributed his career is and how really he was able to and has been able to roll forward by being curious. And I think that's kind of the thing that I really want you guys to take away. If you're curious and you have tenacity and you have drive, you can figure out any problem. And Charlie has done that regularly. So I'm really excited for you guys to hear this one, learn about Charlie, and uh, we'll be linking out his Twitter, his school, spend time with him. He has an incredible YouTube channel and enjoy the episode. Thanks. Really excited to be joined by Charlie Tichnor. He knows what he's talking about. And if you're not going to listen, um, you know, turn off the podcast already. Um, but we're really excited to have him on this episode of Ad Creative. Charlie, thanks for being here and taking the time. Thank you so much, man. I'm, I'm super stoked. Yeah, I, I, I appreciate the opportunity. Let's let's make this more fun for people. Let's 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 help some folks out. Let's see some more success and less stress. Let's put some smiles on some faces. I'm ready to go. Yeah. Yeah, man. Yeah, exactly. That is the whole point of this thing. Let's uh, let's stress less and uh, and make more uh, and make more money. I um, you know, I always come down to pencils an idea company, right? At at its heart, we're trying to give people ideas. So we always try to ask people when we start out with this. You have Facebook Disruptor School, so we'll use that as kind of the business that we're talking about. What gave you the idea to start that business specifically? Like, what were you seeing in the marketplace that was needed to be able to help people? Yeah, so Disruptor School really came about because I realized that 80 to 90% of the people doing media buying were poorly trained, overworked, and underpaid by somebody who wasn't good. And in a world where we are trying to create independence, put food on the tables and create jobs and really allow folks to have the access to a higher quality of life, very few folks are good at entrepreneurship and really good at the marketing side and understanding the business development side of their, of their entire endeavor. Folks can be really A plus in a lot of things, but that doesn't mean you are any good at running a business or promoting it. So this was a direct effort of taking what I was doing to train businesses and ad agencies and making it more available to anybody that wants to learn. And that started with Disruptor School as a Slack group and a Patreon channel as an extension of some Facebook group that I had after I got kicked out of like ad leaks and every other premium Facebook group like five, six years ago. And it is now taken the form of the flagship offers a Facebook ads MBA program where it's an immersive 
education resource to take somebody to be better than 80, 90%. But it's not just about media buying, it's also understanding unit economics of business, project and task and team management for profit, measurement on incremental lifts and how the algorithm works and using objective truths in a scientific method to move things forward so that we can amplify anybody's skill set, whether they're a great salesperson, amazing at creative, if they're a great copywriter, maybe they've just got extreme knowledge in a single place. Being a trusted resource with some of the best minds in the business sets us apart in a way that I think most other educational resources don't have. And the biggest differentiation and the opportunity that I saw was the honest truth is very, very rarely are the smartest, most effective, most experienced and well-educated individuals. Also the ones that are good at marketing themselves and the ones that are good at addressing a room. The most popular personalities in this business are very rarely anybody that you should ever listen to for any aspect of your business because their core competency isn't actually doing the work. And to be fair, it shouldn't be. And I get that. Um, and there was a period of time where I was in the audience at a big, at a conference and a very big guy that was well regarded back in 2017, 2018. I don't see his name as much anymore. But he went on and basically live recorded a course and used my deck from the Facebook Disruptor program and rebranded it to the point where I knew what the pages were. And I saw it kind of behind the curtain. And I realized that there was a really good opportunity for me to use my certain skill sets, which is I love teaching and I've got a very extensive history in business development marketing and computer science that allows me to systematize this process so I can bring on other exceptional minds in the world, people that are best in class with consumer psychology, project and team management, business development, positioning, all sorts of these other ancillary skills and build a training and education resource where they don't have to be good at the production of content. They don't have to be good at getting attention. They just have to be good at being able to talk their craft. And we have a standardized version of how the curriculum is taught and a value ladder that makes it accessible for people for as small as 50, 100 bucks and upwards into a five figure range. And we are changing lives all around the world. I got folks on six continents so far, no one in Antarctica one of these days. Well, first of all, thanks for, thanks for breaking that down. I think, um, two things that come from that. Um, first I can tell your passion for what you do. Um, and it came from that last sentence where you say, Hey, we're changing lives. We're helping people on six continents. Um, and then also kind of the depth of what you're talking about, which is like, look, it's not just what everyone else will hawk to people, which is, Hey, come take this media buying course. It's no, this is a, course on how to uh how to run your business properly yeah and so and, um and, and part of that too is it's not just pre-recorded stuff 
There's weekly lectures and discussions and a community with lifetime mm -hmm. access to all of it. So you're not just getting some bit of information that somebody who may or may not know what they're talking about reading off a script a few years ago that doesn't care about you. You're now buying into a community, a fellowship yeah. that, that transverses the globe with people who are experts in basically every vertical of business. So you said something in your kind of like that opening, uh, that opening statement, you talked about how you love to teach people. And I, I think that comes from, well, I love teaching. I love teaching and helping people as well. Um, my kind of story on that is I felt like I had to learn everything myself. That's not a bad thing, by the way. Um, but I never felt like I had a, you know, a boss or a mentor that kind of until like most recently over the last couple of years that really helped me kind of take that next, take that next step. And so I'm always trying to find ways to help people do that. So I always say like, be the boss you never had, be the mentor or teacher that you never had so that, you know, like people send the ladder back down. Um, there are obviously a lot of things in the past I can kind of point, point to that really have made me want to invest in that. So I want to go back, like, where did all of this start? Because to be able to teach at this high level and build, you know, build, uh, like a recognition, there's a lot of work that goes into it years, decades, all of these, these kind of things to have essentially earned the trust of the market based on the knowledge that you have in hand. So I'd love to kind of know where this, you know, this media buying journey started for you and, and like what you've done along the way that, um, that has really shaped you. Yeah, I love that. I mean, I'll start with like, when I got out of high school, I went to college to be like a recording engineer. I got a job in radio. I was an FM radio disc jockey for like 10 years. I was on Sirius XM for a while. So I got really good at talking to people for a long time. And I think that you learn how to communicate with folks to get the specific points across with that. Like a decade of doing that is just the reps. It's the work of being able to communicate. Um, I was also a touring musician. And with that being your only real line of income, those two, which none of them pay well, you learn how to talk to folks to understand what they need so that you can, you know, kind of separate people from their money. It's sort of like being a punk band. That's like what you're trying to do to, you know, when you're on tour, like that's what you have to make happen. And you also learn business relationships and you learn how to project manage, how to make thing, um, how to make things work, you know? And I think that's really important. And then, after the fall of Bubba the Love Sponge Radio Network because of Hulk Hogan's sex tape, which meant that I no longer had a job because my boss had filmed a professional wrestler having sex with his wife, I moved to L.A. And I got a job at an agency doing organic social, basically growth hacking. And I quickly automated all that work. And I was doing the work of about eight or nine other employees. And that was a lot of fun. And I realized like it was just super cool. And all the stuff that I had done when I was a kid, programming like basic on my dad's laptop, or like I brought my, you know, I programmed all my homework and it's my TI 82, 83, 84 graphing calculator. So I didn't actually have to do any work in math class. I just would hit enter and it would show the steps of the work. Like my parents are computer scientists. My dad's also a college professor when he graduated. So it's a bit of it in the blood, but I ended up leaving that agency fairly early. I started my own. 
One, the show called The Pitch, which was on AMC. And it used to air after Mad Men. Well, the very last episode, they canceled it after they put me on the air. Uh, we won. An agency record for 800 Flowers. They realized the mistake they made, cut funding to the show. You got some other program after Mad Men after that. Uh, but we, so we crushed. We did really well. And then somebody, that agency got taken away from me because my attorney was also the investor and he kind of swindled me out of that. And so it was just sort of just like, you have to keep making it work. I started another agency and my biggest client was paying me 2000 bucks a month in 2013, um, 2013, 2014 time. He, uh, he fired me once because he's like, I put 100 bucks into Facebook ads and it did more than I pay you 2000 bucks a month for. Now, this is back when CPMs were a dollar. There was no such thing as a pixel. There were no conversion objectives. Like, right-hand rail was like a placement option. Uh, like, we're talking, you know, dinosaurs walk to the earth. You know what I mean? Uh, and so, he paid out his contract. I licked my wounds. The next day, I started promoting my band. And within three months, I was doing paid media stuff for... Uh, Jane Silent Bob, like Comic-Con conventions, Danny Trejo, like movies and all sorts of stuff. And within six months of that, I got a job. Um, I worked at some agencies. I was running Jamba Juice and, rib, and like Viking River Cruises. But that ended with me getting a gig at Omnicom as a supervisor for Facebook media because literally nobody in the room knew how to do it. I had the most experience of anybody on the West Coast of that company, of Omnicom, this evil international conglomerate ad agency, because I had been doing it for nine months off of, like, private credit cards. Uh, and so I went from an unemployed, like, touring musician, radio personality, kind of like huckster guy, whatever, to I had seven-figure daily budgets with brands like Nissan and CBS and Levi's and... I had the luxury of, at the time, nobody thought Facebook was worth anything. And I had the job opportunity if I could join the Google and Yahoo team for search ads, which is, again, dinosaurs roaming the earth, all that fun stuff. Uh, if you're in the Yahoo search game, still, like, my, my you know, good on you. Uh, somebody's got to do it. Um, or I could do Facebook. And one of them was a bunch of keywords and a ton of infrastructure. The other one was you don't have a boss because nobody knows what to do. So I had the opportunity of basically working directly with the Facebook teams. And it wasn't like a rep. It was like there was one guy that handled everything west of the Mississippi River. And I worked directly with that person and all of his initial employees that became directors of the engineering team and the messenger team and the product team. And we basically worked hand in hand spending ungodly amounts of money to figure out how to use Facebook. Within nine months, the Facebook pixel was invented. And for those of you that think that iOS 14 was a bad thing or it was like disruptive to the ecosystem, understand it was a drop in the bucket to the change that happened when the Facebook pixel was invented. Because you took a whole bunch of folks that were traffic and you taught them that, oh, no, there's this new thing called optimized CPM, and we're using conversion objectives. And no media buying platform had that. Google, it took them two years to copy it. 
And so I saw the invention of the lookalike audience. I saw the invention of the conversion pixel. And as a result, I was just three to five steps ahead of everybody else because everybody's bright idea is something I had already spent millions on. And I was always just going from one place to another agency to another agency, training teams and working with entrepreneurs. And I was always just hired in as like, this is the only person that knows kind of what's going on. And I found myself in this extreme seniority role because I had been doing it for two years, which basically meant I was more experienced than almost everybody else on the face of the planet doing that thing. And so I just really got self-esteem. I think you feel good about yourself because you do esteemable acts. And having been a touring musician and having a drug problem and I'm in recovery, I've got about 10 years clean now. I always try to define my value on doing good and making the world a better place from where I started and filling my day with esteemable acts so that I feel good about myself. And when I realized that I had this ability to teach people a skill that could get them a six-figure income and be the difference between an entrepreneur having a dream and a business owner creating jobs and changing the life and trajectory of their family, I latched on to it. And I've been doing that for seven, eight years now. And it has just been like from these getting fired and being the only person willing to raise my hand and say yes because I didn't want a boss to somehow turning around. And mind you, like while I was out there, I did end up getting an MBA, a Harvard Business Review, and I have multiple college degrees, but it was just this great progression of, I was you know in Mensa when I was seven. I've always been a mental overachiever computer scientist guy. My dad's a computer scientist. My mom worked in the finance department. Uh, like computer science and money for business development is just in my blood. And I'm lucky to have been there at the time where nobody knew better than me. So, and nobody could teach me because nobody knew, which was great. I had to literally teach myself everything. And I got to probably in the first two or three years, I got to make $50 million of mistakes with other people's money. And I mean, I probably made a $10 million mistake for Call of Duty. They still did okay, right? Like I probably made a million dollars a mistake in one week with CBS. They did okay. And you do that for years, you're gonna be all right. Like, cause you have the opportunity, right? And, and so working with brands like Disney, MGM, Levi's, Nissan, Henkel, you know, when you, progressive insurance and, and other bringing brands to market like TRX, uh, and then going client side and helping to develop several eight and nine figure businesses. Like that has just been this tremendous opportunity for me. And that's kind of how I got to where I'm at now, where I've seen every side of the business. I've worked with dozens of verticals. I've understood extremely competent teams and I've worked with some of the least competent teams that were still making money because the business model was good. And I just try to take that experience and my passion for communication. And to be fair, I'm a little spectrum. I'm a little weird. My different way of looking at things. And 
use that to make easily repeatable results that people can trust. And the track record kind of speaks for itself. I mean, the Facebook ads MBA program is a 98% hit rate. That is insane. Um, and there's a reason why people become lifers. And I've had two people that it didn't work for. And to be fair, they might not have been the best candidate to join the program. And that's okay. I learned too. I probably could have done a better job. And the program's a lot better than when they came. So that's what kind of got me to this place. And now I just uh, try to be as loud as I can to offer as much help as possible. Well, that's great. Congrats on uh, close to a decade. I'm at uh, 14 and a half. Um, so um, good on you, brother. Yeah, man. It's good shit. It's good shit. Um, so I think it, it's it's a really interesting to my kind of, I'll give you a little backstory. My, my entry point into all of this was I was a um, filmmaker and kind of same thing, you know, it doesn't pay indie filmmaking, doesn't pay much. Um, and so I was making some, um, some brand videos for a company and they, uh, they are like, what do we do with these? And I'm like, I don't fucking know. <laughs> I just make pretty things. Uh, leave me alone. Uh, I'm like, well, will you, uh, maybe you can run the ads for us or, or figure it out. I was like, are you going to, they're like, and we'll pay you. I was like, oh, that sounds fantastic. I'll do whatever, you know, whatever is paying my rent this month. Yeah, and so sure. similarly, like they went and I watched a couple of YouTube videos um, and started running the ads. And this was like nine years ago, I think now. Um, and they did okay because like you said, you know, 2014, 2013, like CPMs cost nothing. It's easy. Um, and it's just a wild west. So no one really knows what good results look like. So it's just, hey. And then they say, you want to do, you want to keep doing this. So essentially, like you said, people, and then no one knew what was going on. So you could get extra gigs on the side and people essentially are giving you money to figure, to figure things out. So I, that totally, totally resonates with me. One thing I'm, I'm curious about. So you, you brought up something about uh, communication and sharing with people. And I think you're very um, self-aware right now, which is like, Hey, look, I communicate with people and I'm trying to get people to understand stuff. So you have a, like a, you have a model of how you are, you, you know, that things should be run on Facebook. And so what I've seen on, on Twitter and other places is you're always going to share with people the way that it should be run. Hell or high water. It's like, Hey, this is the way that it should be done. I have, you know, billion dollars worth of spend behind me that says this plus all of these other cases with customers, which adds to the amount of money, right? Not just what I've had my hand on, but what I have directed. And so how, how do you, how do you think about, how do you think about that when, when people have maybe a negative reaction to it? Because the one thing like I, I wrote a tweet last week, it, you know, a lot of people responded to it. It was like, you know, you have, you ask 15 media buyers how to run a campaign and you get 15 different answers. Yeah, I saw that. And, um, I, I I'm always uh, like, I just kind of say like, look, everyone has their old, like, how you're supposed to cook a chicken or a turkey way of doing sure. things. And what you really find is like in between all of that, there are some just through lines in all of it. How do you feel when people kind of come at you like, Hey, you don't know what you're talking about. Um, because I find that every media buyer just has their way of doing things and they don't like being like, they don't like being pushed back. It's kind of a weird thing in the media buying space. It's like, no one really wants to have 
open conversations about the, the style and, and frameworks that they're using. They just say like, Hey, it worked. I made a lot of money. And it's like, well, but you could do better, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I, I hear you. And, and yeah, I get a lot of pushback. Um, first off, I'm used to it. I've been getting pushed back on the way that I look at doing things for many, many, many years. Uh, I was hacking little leagues. So like I'm used to it. 100%. Um, I will say that I agree that there are multiple ways to get the job done. I would also say that if we can agree on some objective truths, then we can ultimately agree on the best application of the best application of tools. From there, we can have a different strategy on the implementation of all of that. But I feel like something about media buying reminds me of like fighter pilots, right? Like you've got to be sort of this alpha, right? Like this professional athlete, like you've got to be sort of this alpha person. And I see a lot of what I would call a shallow alpha, people that are incredibly insecure about how egotistical they are, or they think that they are, what's the old saying? Like, I'm not that much, but I'm all I think about kind of thing, right? And I understand that if somebody has seen success, according to their definition of it, and somebody comes along and says, hey, look, you did a good job, but you could have done a lot better, and here's what that looks like. And if that much better means that you are working too hard, you made a lot of mistakes and a better outcome is actually that you, the, the way that you value your work, we actually should devalue a lot of it, I think becomes incredibly disruptive. When I tell people that ROAS is a toxic metric and if an ad agency is reporting their value on ROAS, it means they don't care about your bottom line as a business or that they don't know how to care for your money. There's a lot of folks that have placed their value. Their ego has been built on their ability to drive this metric. I can intellectually understand that it's difficult for that person. I can also understand that businesses every day have to close up shop, give up on their dreams and fire employees because somebody said that the thing that they value is more important than the bottom line for that business. And in my experience, when you say I'm valuable because of X, Y, and Z, and somebody says X, Y, and Z doesn't have the value you think it does, and actually one or two of those is harmful, that becomes an attack on somebody's self-worth. Because of that, I can appreciate the pain points people have. That being said, I'm not as concerned about the ego of a, you know, the, the shallow alpha nearly as much as I am about the success of the small business owner trying to provide an opportunity for their family. And the honest truth is, most of the folks that I know that are in that category I would call a shallow alpha don't care and aren't good at meeting the needs 
of those folks. One of the best ways to be highly regarded as an ad agency is hire some brands that don't need you. And what I mean by that is, I probably made $50 million of mistakes. Call of Duty still was the number one video game. You know, I made a million dollars of mistakes a week. CBS television still won sweeps week for every show that was on my, on, you know, on my docket. I probably made five to $10 million of mistakes and TRX is still a household name. You know, the yellow workout equipment. I brought that to market. Uh, you know, I, I probably made five or $10 million of mistakes with Henkel, which is like the German, German and Johnson Johnson. They've got like Persil laundry detergent and Loctite and Schwarzkopf hair care product. Persil is on the, on the shelf at every target in America. The point is that agency did really good. My metrics looked really good but I ultimately was harmful to the production of those businesses. And I can look back at it and realize it. what I did that was bad. And having taken all of the vanity metrics to put my ego first above the bottom line of the clients, because I can understand the macroeconomics of why the marketing department metrics don't matter to anybody including the finance department, the CEO, the fulfillment center, or the client. When I've had those very uncomfortable conversations where Deloitte says, you know what, we're raking you at 95 million, but we're not gonna give you the cash. Or actually this buyout is done. You fail on your exit. You get context. And I've had the opportunity of failing at a very high level often enough with other folks that were either so hands-off I had to figure it out or so hands-on that I got to learn lessons. Like the woman that invented the 24-minute infomercial, the woman that invented the phrase, but wait, there's more. Her name is Marina Randolph. She was my old uh, vice president at 310 Nutrition. We took them from 15 million to 95 in 20, in 20 months. Like I've had that level of exposure on top of also a boss that at Omnicom, when I didn't know how to do the job, she took out her headphones, showed me to check my job description and put her headphones back in. And in retrospect, she didn't know the answer. She had no idea what the answer was. She just sold a thing. Somebody else sold a thing. Nobody knew the, op like, so, I've just been lucky enough, but when I get pushback, when I respond to that pushback, it is coming from a place of compassion where I understand why somebody's ego is getting hurt and why somebody is, is lashing out from a place of fear or pride. My position is let's establish the landscape of objective facts on empirical data. Then we can discuss the application of it. But at the end of the day, if you're making a pizza, you can make a good tasting one, you can make a bad tasting one, but people will buy it, probably not because of the taste, but it might have to do with location, it might have to do with where you're at, it might have to do with marketing. Some of the absolute best food has been in one of the like smallest restaurants that are almost going out of business. And I've been like to Times Square and got a slice of pizza and it was and that business will probably never go up. You know, 
there are international businesses like I think Applebee's microwaves 98% of their food and they're a ridiculously successful restaurant chain. A 15 year old kid can manage a McDonald's location that'll do millions a year in revenue. The point is, if you can figure out how to get the objective truth, then you can remove the emotion out of the situation. And then we can have real conversation about how to move the business forward. And I think that most media buyers, again, were trained poorly, overworked and underpaid by somebody that didn't know how to do their job. And so they value the wrong things. And they've been praised for things that don't bring value. And one of the biggest statements that I get when students come through the Facebook Ads MBA program is that they have to unlearn everything. You know, it's, it's, it's sort of yeah. like a Jedi mind trick thing. Like you have to unlearn everything that you've learned or you're never going to be able to get the X-Wing out of the swamp. You know what I mean? And that's very true. For sure. For sure. I mean, I, I think there's, I mean, there's a lot to unpack there. I think one of the big ones you're talking about just at the end there in terms of like unlearning what we've learned is um, in general, the way that m media buying and, and I would say like e-com was looked at say from 2015 to 2021 became kind of this cottage industry almost, right? So like, let's just say 2010 to 2015, it was starting to grow. Then 2015, like we started feeling like, okay, inflection point, Shopify, the infrastructure is great. Anyone can do it. I mean, I can't tell you how many experiments I ran build, building, you know, e-commerce stores overnight, right? And go yeah, run ads yeah. with them and yeah. just try just try things for fun. Um, and essentially, like, like you said, there's a few metrics. And a lot of these companies that were building that essentially gave... Um, and, and by the way, same thing, uh, same thing with, with agencies, right? No agency has a finance department saying, hey, look, this metric you're looking at isn't actually a, a business metric that moves the needle incrementally for the business. Like, yeah, sure, you have a great ROAS, but it's, it's not profitable. And actually, it's really detrimental to the business because of X, Y, Z, and we're not going to have a good repeat rate. So the payback is fucked and like everything is shit now. Yeah. Um, and so we're like, yeah, we're good. A good LTV on a customer and how many other channels are taking credit yeah. for that sale? Like I give you a great ROAS target your ads towards your email oh. open and send out a 50% discount. I'll give you a 30% ROAS, yeah. ROAS overnight. You're not going to make any money. And the fact I, that you I remember very that distinctly means that that metric is trash. I remember very distinctly. I was at a company and it was when I was still, when I was still learning, but it, I had like kind of up leveled myself to get into the room with, with some, uh, some hitters, but I was like low man on the totem pole. And so I was reading some stuff and I'm like, yeah, this thing's doing well. And the CEO of this company looks at me and it's like, you're wrong. I was in a room with 30 people. I was like my first week. I felt so small because no one had called me out like that ever before in a room. And I went afterwards and then I went and asked him like, Hey, what do you mean? He's like, boom, boom, boom. Look at this stuff. And like, I went and looked at it and he's like, come back, you know, uh, it was a big, big company. So he was, he was, he was really cool about it. I came back and I'm like, I found this, this, and this, he's like, now go here. Another layer deeper. Yeah. And I came back and I was like, holy shit. In two days, you essentially made me unlearn this years of stuff that I had been 
being taught and fed. So like what you just said about people are overworked, underpaid and taught the wrong things is incredibly salient because the people who are teaching it are they're valuing the metrics in a way that they're not thinking about how a finance department looks at the business. Yeah. And the finance department is really the only thing that matters at the end of the day because they're writing the checks for your salary and yeah. they're the ones who are going to look at your media spend and say this isn't these two things don't add up with kind of the revenue that's coming up and they're looking at every single thing and calling out every piece of of the pie. And so I I think that's one thing we're going to see and so I'm I'm curious kind of what you're thinking trends are going to be going forward with um with media buying in general, where we're talking about this, because I, I think one of my big trends is finance departments are going to become way more involved in actual marketing spends um, and, and how things um, and how things work. But one other thing you brought up in terms of like soft alpha that I think is really interesting. So I was talking to someone today. I don't know. Uh, I, we were talking about it. And I said, you know, the thing uh, why a creative department gets cut before a media buying department gets cut is you're closer to revenue, right? So if you have a creative agency and you have a, a media buying agency and it's like, someone's got to go, you're going to cut the creative agency and just say, Hey, look, we'll keep the media buyers. And to say like, they still are doing bad. Then you'll cut them and you go to another agency and look for them. But this also puts a, a huge amount of pressure on the media buyer because it's like, like you said, difference between, I've been there. I've failed at it many times where the difference between a company doing well and not doing well is what you do on a daily basis. And sometimes you just get the shit end of a stick where like, I I'm sure you've done this where someone comes and they pay you, you go and start auditing the business. You go and start trying to run ads at, and you're like, this will never win. Like yeah. it is literally not a business that is meant to work ever, but especially here. Yeah, I've been, this model. I've been hired so many times to save a sinking ship, and you get to see it. And, and, and when people, to that point, like a media buyer can take, a good media buyer is effectively a CMO. It's the executional, it's an executional skill set of a vice president of marketing or chief marketing officer. I also feel that, like, the idea of media buyer being a skill or a job title is one that, it's fairly obsolete these days, but that's, that's my position. Uh, I know a lot of people don't necessarily agree with that, but that's fine. I'm uh, with you. I'm with, I mean, I think to be a media buyer, it's, um, it's a lot more complex than it was five, six years ago where you could say like, Hey, look, I'm just going to read dials and be in platform. And I'm not going to even have an analytics tool like triple whale or North beam, which is pulling things out or wiring up my own analytics platform, a whole nother thing where you need data scientists, which yeah, yeah. can you imagine? Uh, I mean, how many, how many DDC companies have data scientists on staff right now, unless they're doing, you know, eight high eight figures or nine figures, um, which I do recommend everyone actually get one. It will change yeah. your life. Like the, the investment, uh, the, the return on the investment of having somebody that can give you decent business intelligence is incredible. I, I mean, it is, Legit it's massive. And sort of yeah. what I was getting at is with the, is like your job, a media buyer or running Facebook ads or any paid media, especially optimized CPM environment paid media. And by that, I mean, Facebook ads, TikTok, Snapchat, 
YouTube, et cetera. Although YouTube's a blend and so is Pinterest. The job of that platform is not to make or break the business. And if the mm. business makes or breaks by the media buyer, you're already dead in the water. Yeah. The job yeah. of it's an optimized CPM environment is to amplify the inflection point of a successful business model. Fuel, not the fire, right? Yeah. And to that point, like, I get people saying, well, I've got 5K, like, some of my questions, and I try when people are struggling, I try to ask them the questions because that's always the stuff they learn from me. And so it's like, why are you promoting three offers? Which offer has the best margin between CPA and LTV? Do you know the answer to that? If not, figure that out. And then which offer has the most repeat buyers? Which offer allows you to spend your money in a way that gives you high enough volume on one or two extra purchases that you can now worry about the AOV of those purchases and the conversion rate of each one of those journeys so that you can start to worry you don't have to make money today because you know you're getting two or three more stacks of cash coming in off of that customer journey. So maybe you lose 20 cents today because you know that customer is going to 3X over the next six months. Why are you promoting a second product? Like, you, very few businesses are spending so much money that they need to focus on amplifying something other than the best investment for their business. And my point is, if you're, you know, if, if you're investing in the stock market and one business goes up 20% every month, another one goes up 5%, the other one is about even. Every penny you spend on the one that breaks even is a liability because you could be making 50 cents on the dollar. Everyone that's spending 20 cents a month is a liability because you could be making 50 cents on the dollar. Your definition of success might be, hey, I'm making 20, 30% returns. My point is you're working harder to do a worse job. And the reason the business isn't growing is because you're still focused on today. And your value as a media buyer, your value as a growth and acquisition professional needs to be to understand the value of a customer journey and most effectively figure out how to amplify the volumes of customer journey at a profitable level. Lower volume might need higher profit. Higher volume might mean lower profit and get more and more touch points. If you can have more and more touch points with the customer and establish a more desirable balance between volume and margin, you're an investment banker. And the system's already doing all the other work. We're using dynamic ads, broad targeting. All you're doing is letting a creative director pick which direction to go in. Maybe you have a strategic director figuring out the audience on, do we want to scale more by appealing to different people? Or do we want to be more efficient by having a better sales pitch for our, this one type of target customer. Great, now that informs the creative that I wanna make. That informs, because the creative, the ads do all the targeting in anything like this. And, and we can get into how Facebook operates, but that's an objective truth, I think, that gets a ton of pushback on its own. But at that point, you're basically, you are the factory manager and an investment banker. It's called the ads manager, 
You are managing the ads. They're your employees. If you micromanage them, they're going to be shit at their job. And that is your responsibility. And if you need to be in Facebook more than a couple hours a week, it means that you're not good at your job. And it doesn't mean that that's a personal attack. It means that somebody hasn't taught you how to use the tools properly to leverage machine learning, to treat the machine, to treat Facebook as a market research and intent creation device to amplify the value of your investments as a banker. And if you can take it all back to that, my business that we use pencil, you know, under outfit, I, I was telling you before this started, we got a, I got a new batch of creative in, and I was very excited. Um, we did seven figures last month. I probably worked 90 minutes a week on that business in Facebook. Six months ago, I probably scaled that business 6x in the last seven months. Yeah. And I, the less I work, the better the business gets. Well, I think, I think um, something, something you bring up, and I, like it, it dovetails into the kind of my, my question about where you think some of the trends are going. You say like, look, if you're doing this right, you're an investment banker and you're essentially looking at your ad portfolio, if you yeah, will, and seeing portfolio. what ads are. Yeah, it's an investment portfolio. And like, how how are your investments performing? And essentially understanding like, what's above and below the line of like competent performance, Yeah, right? Like what's a winner, what's a loser? What's something that maybe I need to drive revenue because I know I have an incremental kind of profit driver. And maybe what's something where it's like, look, this is degrading my business. Because for instance, there is a revenue driver that brings in a good customer that will have a high LTV over time that you know, kind of through life cycle, you can nurture into something special because they say they've come in, maybe their CPA is high, but they've come in on a good product, right? So you say, hey, they've come in at 200, but they spent 200. So I know that I can make them into 600 in six months versus someone who comes in at 30, but spent 20 or spent 40 and you're like, I'm fucked. How do I even turn this person into, you know, like 60? I know that they're not going to be a, a repeat purchaser. And so you're trying to figure out how those things work. I guess my question to you is in terms of trends, I have my own feeling about this, but what do you think is going to be like one of the biggest shifts in media buying say, over the next year to two years um, that maybe people aren't wise to yet? Like, they're, they're, you know, we all iOS kind of everyone called out iOS or it got called out and we all kind of were like, yeah, it's not going to be that big of a deal. Right. Um, and then two to three months into it, everyone was like, Oh shit. Everyone's hair was on fire. Um, and so people didn't weren't wise enough to it beforehand because Facebook didn't make that big of a deal out of it. And like times were good. Like, let's just mm -hmm. let, the, let the good times roll. Um, what do you think is going to, it's coming down the pipeline that people should be aware of and start kind of, kind of planning for. I think that's a great question because I also think it's a, a it's it's also built a lot on perception. My perception is iOS 14 was a good thing. I think it made people have to be better business managers. I think it made ineffective business models more exposed. And ultimately it made it let it put the thumb on the scale of the meritocracy of a business model. 
and also dramatically exposed a lot of folks that were not, that were liabilities. I can't tell you how many agencies were running off of delayed attribution and 28 day click one day view that after iOS 14 are struggling to maintain clients. Not that I want the agencies to be unsuccessful. My point is how many small businesses invested their future in the trust that they had on these folks to be good at their job. And those folks legitimately didn't understand that they were woefully unprepared and ineffective to execute properly. I think also the way that Facebook works now is the same that it worked before iOS 14. It's only amplified. It's more hyperbolic. If you're doing things poorly, it's gonna, you're going to struggle even more. If you're doing things well, you're going to be more successful. I actually appreciate it. A lot of my students and clients and brands have been massively successful since iOS 14 in a way that may not have been available before. Um, and that's because doing things the right way is only more and more effective now. And it forces you to also be a better business owner. That being said, well, do you think, uh, yeah, do you think, so question for you on, on this, do you think that people, so like we're talking about kind of uh, D to C and, and it's, it's not a small world, but it's, it's not a big world and it can be kind of an insular vortex of a few voices. And so, mm -hmm. Someone says a few of the voices say, hey, iOS is shit. You know, we're all fucked. Everyone thinks the sky is falling. And yeah. a lot of the people who are doing well either are not involved in that because their head's down on their business or they're not the kind of people to, like, raise their hand and say, yo, I'm crushing. Yeah. Um, and it becomes one of those self-fulfilling prophecies where people are like, you know, this is – it's all – this is garbage. Everything's bad, et cetera, where it's like, you know – there are a lot of businesses doing really well. It comes back to what you said is put its thumb on the scale of meritocracy. And if you didn't know how to run your business properly, or you didn't have the right operators helping you run the business properly, you essentially got the veil pulled back on yeah. what actually matters in your business. And so I guess one of the things I, I, I would, I would ask you because you see a different side of it, right? You have a bunch of people who come to you that maybe aren't in on Twitter or aren't doing that. They are just coming to you saying, Hey, look, I know that this is a premier place for me to learn about how to run my business properly in X, Y, and Z way. What do those people think about what's going on? Because essentially they're coming to you saying, Hey, look, I just want to learn how to do this. Right. I'm not here to flex on yeah. Twitter or TikTok or, or whatever. Like what's the, what's the Delta there for you in terms of what you see online versus what you see with your students? I will say, I have the luxury because I talk to these people every single day. I talk to dozens on a weekly basis. I have the luxury of being able to see both sides of it because a lot of those big talking heads, their clients become students of mine. I've seen their builds. I've seen their reports. I've seen their communication. I know how they're doing business and I can understand where they learned 
and where they're falling short. So it's a very interesting dichotomy in that, oddly enough, I've been telling people for five or six years basically everything that I do. There's no secret behind my game. Anybody that's been following me for a while understands how I do things. And I'll be very clear here, if you don't know, I use dynamic ads, simple ones against a broad audience. And I focus on the amplification of the volume of profitable customer journeys, and then build the business model or work on improving the business model after that. That's how I've been running Facebook ads since 2018. Hundreds of millions of revenue driven since that shift in my mentality and growth for businesses across dozens of verticals, multiple countries, and students around the world. If you notice, there's nothing in there about audiences or bidding models or the next hack or what type of creative is working on Facebook this week because none of that matters. And so my point to that is, we are in a very insular industry where the talking heads have generated a lot of fanfare, almost to the point of disciples. And I will say this, probably half of those people, if I'm taking a sample of 50, 60 talking heads that are the regular speakers at conferences and sellers of courses and tens of thousand Instagram followers and all of that stuff. They don't even do the operation. They're not even doing the work. They don't understand the day-to-day -day stuff. Now, some folks, I would take direct, and I have openly taken very direct uh positions against because I understand that what they're doing is selling fear and then preaching a solution that says, hey, we're popular, work with us, that causes harm. There are other folks that a few years ago got written a check by a company like Founder was out there just writing checks to popular people on Twitter, and those people had a course. My buddy Nick did that. Doesn't mean he knew it. Like, he read a script, great dude, really smart, was in the business now, but he's not doing that work today. And my point to that is the inflection point that I'm seeing is the business owners who are invested in the growth of their business and are truly focused on that success as being a priority there is a larger and larger groundswell as effectively a revolution against what I would consider predatory business practices by folks that I would consider to be less than scrupulous business owners that probably define the majority of folks that are in the talking head space. Not all of them, but if you're running an agency right now that spends a lot of money, you shouldn't be good at Facebook ads. You should be good at business operations for your agency. If your agency is spending $100 million for other people and you're still running Facebook ads, like that is a waste of your time.
So there's sort of this idea that if there's an agency of massive good repute, because everybody's used them and they're super popular, you should 100% never trust what that agency owner has to say about operations. Let me put it this way. I got an iPhone. If I drop this thing in the toilet, do you think Tim Cook knows how to fix it? No. And it's not his job. I'm glad he doesn't. Because I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a Mac disciple. Like, I get it. Like, I grew up, I grew up programming basic on a Tandy 100. Like, I built my first 386 Alltech computer when I was seven years old so I could play Civilization. And it took 12 floppy disks to get the thing on my C drive. I've been around, and I'm a Mac guy. I get it. I dig it. I want it. I don't want anybody in management at Mac to ever touch my equipment. And that's sort of the position I feel like ultimately part of my motivation as well in putting together Disruptor School and the Facebook Ads MBA program, and I've said this openly and I'll say it again here, I have this little goal in the back of my head that says we can effectively take the used car salesman out of the market. And the net impact of that is a lot of the folks that you see as being tremendous Facebook experts are going to be the TikTok expert. They're going to be the next thing because they're not good enough at doing what they're doing that they have to sell the next thing. Or they're going to lose their validity. Um, I mean, you see that with folks like Tim Berg were selling courses out the yin-yang five, six years ago. I can't remember the last time Tim Berg was selling anything. Ty Lopez, he, he bought Radio Shack, but he used to be the get-rich-quick overnight scheme guy on Facebook. Like, they've all gotten to the point where they're so far removed that they're thinking they're, they're on another level. And I'm not saying that is a slight against them. They're wildly successful people. They employ others. They create opportunity and wealth and good for them. But I think there is an inflection point where people are realizing that the mid-level ad agency – that business model is an obsolete one and you can absolutely bring that skill set in-house or have one or two dedicated operators working on your behalf and get 10 times the level of output and at a much lower cost with somebody who's directly aligned with your success. And I, I see that happening. I have that conversation five times, 10 times a week where somebody's like XX talking head on Twitter has been running my ads for six months. Nothing they do makes sense. I've been watching videos forever. They refuse to listen to it. Can you please help me? And two, three months into the game, mm. they're spending a couple hours a week managing their stuff. Their success is rampant and we laugh. We have fun conversations about these folks. And I'm not saying that, again, to be derogatory to them. I'm saying that to be very honest in that I think the business model that we saw from 2017 to 2021 of anybody who's a good media buyer can get enough clients to hire their friends 
underpay them, overwork them, and poorly train them to do a job where their position isn't even to train that person to do well. Mm. And you're scaling an ad agency on the back of a sales team. That business is, that business hopefully will become obsolete as soon as possible. And that's, that's my very aggressive and hopeful position because I talk to folks who are, I'm the last house on the, on the block for a lot of people. And yeah, I got a 98% hit rate on turning their things around. So like, I, I get to see that for years now, but that, that's yeah. sort of where I'm coming from. And you asked me before about what the future looks like. I think we are not sitting on the back of a 10 year bear, a bull market. Yeah. Regardless of your political beliefs or your economic theories, we are legitimately facing a situation where over <clears throat> starting in roughly the year 2000, 2009, 2019, 2020, and into 2021, we took a economy that grew at record rates for nearly a decade straight, slowed down, and then shrunk. Then COVID hit. And it got worse. And what this means is for new businesses, you either have to be disruptive or you have to build a moat. I legitimately think it'll be two to three years before we'll be able to recover from the decisions by the powers that be that put us in the financial situation that we are now. And again, not saying that's all political, like there's a billion things to go into that, right? Like, doesn't have to do with red state, blue state, Keynesian economic theory or whatever. Like, we're not getting into all of that stuff. It's just whoever, however, we got to this place. I don't think it's going to be short of a couple of years before you have the opportunity of anybody anywhere can do the exact same thing as 12 other people on the street and make money. So that's a great place to now transition to anti-rapid fire. So okay. anti-rapid fire, yeah, I don't, uh, I'm long-winded, so I don't ask questions with short answers, as you can see. Um, <laughs> what's the uh, What's the best piece of advice you've ever received? Man, that's a good question. Um, I think... If I, had to, if I had to summarize it, I'd love to give you three or four answers, but entrepreneurially and that spirit of success or failure, binary outcomes, the best piece of advice I've ever received and I tell people all the time is nobody cares. What's important to you? Nobody cares. Did it get done? Well, I had this to do. Nobody, nobody cares. Well, I think this is going to do well. Nobody cares. Nobody is nearly half as invested into anything that's important to you nearly as much as you are. And if what motivates them doesn't get met, you might have a laundry list of completely reasonable explanations. Nobody cares. It is a binary yes or no world a lot of times in the world of business and entrepreneurism. And 
Yeah. Nobody cares. Until you're already yeah. there. And then what they care about is themselves and the opportunity of taking advantage yeah. of position, something you built. But again, oh, I've got a problem of, you know, I'm running this, you know, going to be a nine-figure underwear business. And, like, I tell people all the time, like, I'm going to take out Skim's market share. Nobody cares. I tell them, like, I've got yeah. the best moisture-wicking thing on the market. Nobody cares. I tell them, hey, I've 6X the business. Now they care because maybe there's an opportunity for them. When I tell them what's, how it's important to me, nobody cares. When I'm working in my bed because I get an idea at 10 o'clock at night, and I wake my wife up. She definitely doesn't care. Like, apparently I'm a loud typer. Nobody cares. That's my wife. That is the roof over our head I'm trying to provide for. Shut up. I'm go, I'm, I want to go back to sleep. Nobody cares. And if you can think about that, and you understand that the buck stops with you, and it is your choice on whether or not you want to be successful or a victim, That for me was the greatest breakthrough because it meant that I was completely in control. And it also meant that I didn't have to be resentful or angry at other people. Like the guy on Twitter that's upset because I say, look, you shouldn't be using ABOs and interest groups. And you definitely, I get that you are a very renowned creative director with your own channel on this private thing. And you blocked me and all this stuff. And people quote you all the time. You're objectively wrong about a fact. If that person gets upset or they upset me, I have to understand that nobody cares. That's my own. Sh if somebody cuts me off in traffic, I could be upset all day long about it. But the person that cut me off might not even know I exist. So that's sort of my peace of mind that has gotten me to this wonderful place of Zen of everything I do is my fault. Every success that comes out is because of what I've done to lift the people around me. And it's only because I have to force other people to care enough by understanding the motivation to get what I want done. I love that. I love that. Next thing, what skill do you think has served you best in life? Mm. The skill that has served me best in life, I think, is the ability to bullshit on the spot at nauseum on demand in a convincing way. 100%. You can't catch me in a corner. I will ride my ass off through anything if I need to. Like I, I, when you're a junkie for a decade, you get really good at that, especially if you're an only child. Oh, you get good. You get real good. And it's I guess still the only question to you is, can you? Where it comes from. Can you bullshit your wife, though? This is the real question. Uh, she likes to think that I can't. <laughs> oh, I'm sending her this episode. She knows. <laughs> that would be my answer yeah, to I feel, that question. I feel that. Yeah. So the last one before we close up. Um, if you were talking, so I'm, you do this already, by the way, but if you were talking to an operator who hasn't, you know, hasn't gone through the school um, or, or founder hasn't gone through the school um, and they were just listening to this and they were taking something. And even if they didn't go through the school, but you wanted them to know something that was going to help them 
run their business in the proper way to deliver that value that you talked about, which is creating jobs, helping their family, building something meaningful. What's the one thing you'd want them to take away from this? Um, I would say it's a three-parter. Number one, the answer to your problem is to make it the problem simpler. Whatever it is, if the solution is to make it more complicated, it's wrong. Number two, understand the unit economics of your business. Understand the cost, value, and volume of your marketing funnel and the customer journey. That funnel ends at the beginning of your relationship with that customer. That funnel ends with that first purchase, for instance. Understand the value of every step of that and the volume so that you can understand how to most cost-effectively drive the best-for-your-business-model volume of profitable customer journeys in a way that best utilizes the tools that you have in your core competencies. Um, and that'll help you figure out, like, maybe the best way of making your Facebook ads better is improving the checkout process because your conversion rate goes from 1.3% to five. And now your Facebook ads could be half effective. And you, instead of a $30 CPA target, you could pay 60. You're great. Maybe it is figuring out why only 3% of people buy a second time and get it to 10. Get it to 20. What's broken? What's the bottleneck in your business? And what bottleneck has the most value? to fix, and then invest everything you have in making that better. The number one way of scaling your business is to improve the efficiency by simplifying what's going on. There's a point, obviously, the law of diminishing returns there, but that solves about 95% of problems. And if you're listening to this and you're like, well, it doesn't solve mine, trust me, you're not in the 5%. Guaranteed. If you're like, that doesn't apply to me, it absolutely does. Uh, that, that's again, probably 99.9% .9 of people. And if it doesn't apply to you, you already knew that. Um, and then the third point to it is that ultimately you have to remember the why of what you're doing. And if you get caught up in the day to day being a routine, Somebody else is going to work harder than you. And when your business fails, because it will, it's not because you're not doing a good job. It's because somebody else is doing a better job and taking your lunch money. I see so many businesses that are successful, like, well, Facebook just doesn't work anymore. It's like, no, no, no. It's not that Facebook doesn't work anymore. It's that there's somebody better than you stealing your customers. And if you start to think out there that there's some kid in the garage better than you, then you have to really understand why am I doing things and keep pushing forward. I've had students, I had this one student, his name is Yash. He had a smartphone, not an, even an iPhone, a smartphone. It was like a, it was like a Kirosera smartphone in India. Within about nine months of us working together, 
He went from making about $100 a month as a media buyer on a smartphone to a $5,000 a month income. Bought a laptop, bought a house, put three generations of people in a house. And now every time he films a video, there's a door in the back left. And he starts the video by shutting the door. That kid is going to work harder than you. If it's not working, it's not because you're a victim. Nobody cares. Know your numbers. Do a better job. Or somebody else will. And that, that's what I have to say to anybody. And if you don't know what that looks like, reach out to somebody that can help. And I highly recommend you reach out to me. You don't have to. Um, I'm not for everybody. Absolutely. Uh, but I've dedicated my life to trying to help other folks do it. I said in November, or I said my, my, my New Year's resolution last year was to help create a thousand jobs this year. And I'm more than on track to doing that because of just in the MBA program and disruptor school alone, the people that are scaling their businesses. And when you scale your business, you hire a few people. And that also creates ancillary jobs in the support economy to get there. And if I can help generate an extra 10, 20, 30 million dollars of revenue this month, this year, that's got to create hundreds or thousands of jobs for other folks that otherwise might not get one. And I got joined the MBA program last night. Media buyer in Columbia makes about five, six hundred dollars a month. And I told him right away, first thing, we're going to make sure that's your weekly paycheck minimum per account. And that kid's currently spending thirty to fifty thousand dollars a day, and his boss is abusing him. That's the kind of world we live in. Those are the kinds of people I want to help, and that makes me feel so good. So I guess I'll close it out with one last thing. Um, I do everything I can in the world so that when I wake up in the morning, I'm excited about the day. And I go to bed with a smile on my face. And as long as I've made that my priority, I went from begging my parents to get me a blanket at Christmas because it was cold in my apartment that they paid for to my biggest problem right now is that this pool was supposed to have water in it a month ago in the house that I bought in Los Angeles with my own money in cash the same year I got, my, I got married that I paid for in cash. And like, I don't walk the dogs enough. Like that's my quality problems these days. So yeah, that's, I, I if I was a better salesman, I'd, I'd have a nice little wrap up, but I'll, I'll try to end it with that. Yeah. yeah. That's great, man. I mean, when you've been, when you scrape the bottom of the barrel, every day is a bright day. So it's, uh, it's all champagne problems from there. You know what I mean? <laughs> Honestly. Like, yeah. 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 The people, they're, they're yeah. supposed to, yeah. Put pool in the water a month ago. My wife's furious. I'm yeah, like, man. this will be great. Yeah, it's good. It's good. It's good. Yeah. I could tell you, we just bought a house too in Woodland Hills. So I, we can uh, chat offline about that. Charlie, where should, 
if people want to reach out to you, where's the best place to do it? Is it, is it on Twitter? Where like, is, should they go to the website? They, what, uh, we'll put it in the show notes as well, but where yeah, can they do that? I mean, my socials are at CT disruptor, but the best suggestion I would say is I built a site called links.facebookdisruptor.com. Mm -hmm. Um, if you go there, you'll get links to all my socials. You'll be able to subscribe to podcasts, YouTube, etc. Um, you can fill out applications the Facebook Ads MBA program. You can get on my consulting calendar. You can join my Facebook group. You can join my community. That is the one most actionable place. But great. what I recommend to anybody, if you want to reach out to me, I'm more than willing to. But also remember, I'm some stranger on the Internet. Ask your friends what they yeah. think. Find somebody that's worked with me. Pull them to see if they've enjoyed it because you shouldn't trust anything I have to say. Let my work speak for itself. And if you like that, hey, I'm not hard to find. Yeah. Well, Charlie, this was, uh, was kick-ass. I really appreciate your time, your honesty, um, and your, your willingness to, uh, to share what you've learned with people. Uh, they're very lucky to uh, both get all the stuff you do in the community, but also just, uh, you know, some, some time you spent with me today. So thanks again. I really appreciate it. Well, thank you, again. man. I really appreciate it too. I think I'd love to come back on and talk more technical sometime about creative and stuff. Like why I'm a, yeah. I'm a consumer on a pencil. We can talk 45 minutes on that. Yeah. Some other time. Maybe, maybe we got, yeah, to let's do it, man. We, uh, is, uh, is a live version of this at one of our houses and we'll call it a day. Yeah. Yeah. Let's do Twitter. Yeah, man, we should do a Twitter space with some of the other guys and uh, and talk about this. I'd love it. I'd love it, man. I'm, I'm all for it. Yeah. The more we can communicate, the more opportunity people have to hear people that know what they're doing, talk about it from an operational yeah. and, and personal expertise. That's only going to create better for everybody. Hey, folks, you did it again. You made it to the end. I hope you enjoyed episode 32 with Charlie. A lot of great stuff in there, a lot of great takeaways, things you can do that are actionable for your business. Please like and share this episode, subscribe to our channel or the pod, either one, lovely, and make sure that you keep creating. Great things will happen from there. Until next time.